Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sophie Coldwell, British triathlete. I got a little trophy and, and a medal and things like that. And, you know, when you're eight years old and you, you get that, you think, whoa, this is mega, this. This is a special edition of the podcast produced on behalf of British Triathlon. Hi, my name's George Peasgood. I'm a British PTS5 paratriathlete. I didn't really know anything about paratriathlon. And then there was the head coach at uh, the Tri Club. He got in touch with the head coach at British Triathlon. Hi, I'm Ben Dykstra. I'm a British under 23 male triathlete. I love riding my bike. I love running. So how hard can it be to learn to swim? As one of the fastest growing sports in the UK and one of the most successful for Great Britain at the Olympics and Paralympics too, triathlon swimming, cycling and running continues to appeal across the country and across the community. But how do you get started? Grow from youth to senior to even elite? And what does it take to do it? Coming up, we'll be finding out. We hear from three of British triathlon's rising stars. Sophie Coldwell, Ben Dykstra and George Peasgood are all part of the Olympic and Paralympic podium potential squads. More from Ben and George in a bit. But first, we catch up with 25-year-old Sophie on her first steps, or should we say first swim, into sport. My dad got um, all of the old videotapes of us when we were kids put onto a USB stick. And there's some on that of, of when my mum used to take me swimming and I am very, very small, probably, I don't know, a few weeks old, really. I was, I was in the water at that, that, that young and mum's swishing me through the water and stuff. So I kind of was, um, yeah, kind of put thrown into the deep end, so to speak, very young um, with swimming and stuff. But I, yeah, I wouldn't say I was pushed into sport at all and um yeah just fortunate that kind of got encouraged to do a lot of a lot of things at a young age and do you have any early memories of you mentioned splashing about in the pool or being out on your bike the first bike I had I learned to to ride without stabilizer when we were on holiday and it was a blue bike with a white basket on the front and it had the uh the tiny colored spoke gems so to speak that you know used to swing round when you used to pedal so yeah, just enjoyed being an active kid, I suppose. I wasn't I wasn't particularly amazing at sport when I was younger. I just loved doing stuff. 
we moved up to, to Nottingham in 2000. And I, I mean, like I did swim lessons. I started when I was, was younger down in, in Kent. But in terms of, you know, really getting involved with swim squads, athletics clubs and, and stuff through school and, and, you know, even first triathlon, really, it was all kind of once we've moved up here and was then really fortunate that just so happened that where we were in Keyworth was... 15 minutes away from Loughborough, which I've I've been at for 15 years now. I've been training out of the centre, so quite a long time, really. So where did the first mention of triathlon come then in your family and for you? I suppose when I was, yeah, eight, eight years old, my mum, we were at the local local centre in Keyworth and there was a thing on the notice board about this children's triathlon in, in Clifton that was 20 minutes down the road for us. And mum kind of thought, oh, you know, didn't really hear of triathlon. I mean... Even now you think triathlon is such a growing sport, but you reverse it back to when I was eight and a handful of people knew what the sport was. Like it really was nowhere near to what it is now. And she thought, you yeah, know, this is something a bit different. You know, it'll be a nice Saturday in, in September. We'll go off and do it. So we, we went down to Clifton Leisure Centre to do the, the uh, tri-start race and it was 50 metres front crawl. But at the time I couldn't quite manage two length front crawl. So I did one length front crawl, one length backstroke, no tumble term. Um, got out and their mum had put some elastic into my shoes, just, you know, standard elastic you'd, you'd buy from Hobbycraft sort of thing. And she'd taken some toggles off the side of her jumper and that was my lock laces. Um, and she'd also given me one of her tops to put on in transition. And it was, you know, a lot bigger than what mine were. So I could get it on really fast in transition and then grabbed hold of my Halfords bike and, and off I went riding round on, on the grass around the back of Clifton Leisure Centre. And Back then, there was maybe five or six people per per event, whereas now you turn up to a children's event and it's amazing. There's 30, 40, 50 kids in, an, in a race. So it was still amazing. And, um, you know, I, I got a little trophy and, and a medal and things like that. And, you know, when you're eight years old and you, you get that, you think, whoa, this is, this is mega, this. And what was it like then to win that first triathlon? When you're younger, you don't really, you know, I didn't even know what a triathlon was. I was kind of like, so I've got to swim and I've got to get out. Then I've got to put my trainers on, get on my bike, and then I've got to run. So it was all a bit bit weird, really. But like I said, it was once you, you know, when you're a kid and you get something, you know, oh, you won the race, or whatever, and you and you get a, you recognise for that. Um, it's a massive boost. And started off with the East Midlands Triathlon Series, and it was probably we just stay within our region for the next couple of years, and then <clears throat> things started to progress when. In TriStart 2, so I think that's 11 to 12 years old, they have a thing called the IRCs, the Interregional Championships. Um, you represent your, um, your you know, East Midlands, West Midlands, and it's, it's the first taste of a national competition. And, you know, that was a big, big thing to go and represent and, and go and do that. And for me, that was when the swim distance went from 100 metres to 200 metres. And I still couldn't tumble turn. And, it, and back then, that was, it was all done in a swimming pool. It wasn't open water. I mean, I didn't start open water till I was... 14, 15, you know, it wasn't like it is now, you know, 99% of races are open water. So we joined our, our local swim club. Um, and yeah, found that I was, I was pretty quick over 50 and 100, really. And there was a point when I was maybe 14, 15, that my attentions maybe went a bit further down the swim route. And I got approached by the county squad and was achieving national times off swimming four times a week. So there was a slight part that Maybe I thought, oh, maybe I'd do a bit more swimming, but I never left triathlon. I just, my focus was maybe just a bit, yeah, separated between two sports, so to speak. But yeah, once once I decided, no, that triathlon was where I wanted to be, had a swim club um, 
And I was fortunate enough that the local tri club to us was was amazing, really. They did a lot of stuff through the summer, um, through the Easter camps and stuff. So we used to do five, six day like training camps, but it wasn't really a training camp. It was more, you know, with your friends, you know, you'd go there for six, seven hours a day and you'd do relays and you'd earn points in your little teams. And, and it was really, really fab. I mean, there's probably some of the best summers really was, was doing that when I was when I was younger. And that kind of when you enjoy it that much, it's not really like... I don't know it's not really like a chore to go and train or anything it didn't seem like training it was really good fun and how I wanted to spend my time so yeah a combination of just being really lucky for the the squads and the you know the training environment that we had when we were younger and swim clubs and and athletics clubs and it all just kind of rolled you know kind of through as you kind of got older and you needed a bit more you kind of bring in an athletics club and then you start getting involved with British triathlon and then that's how you start coming down and training at Loughborough Uni. So it's quite funny really when I look back at it because I probably did a very, very nice line up through from an eight-year-old to a an athlete now that's come through uni and, and now training full-time. I've done, I've done all the child events, I've done all the IRCs, I've done junior European Cups and youth Olympic things and Commonwealth Games. So I have really done this quite nice linear progression really through... Um, probably more luck than judgment but um yeah it's it's been a it's been a fun journey and I yeah can't can't say I've regretted any of it so Sophie you're a member of the swim club you're a member of the athletics club you're a member of the cycling club you then getting involved in triathlon how did you combine all that with school because clearly obviously you you went to university so you got your grades in education as well so I was lucky, really, that my biology teacher, Mrs. Brooks, Sarah Brooks, was really supportive, actually. And she, you know, when people say, oh, there's this one teacher and, you know, normally it's a PE teacher because it's sport. But she, for me, was that teacher that kind of, yes, she was biology and wasn't really a you know, PE teacher or anything like that. But she was had a massive interest in what I was doing outside of school and fought my corner with a lot of things. So I remember back when A-levels were split in January in the summer, I think now they're just one set of exams, but... I qualified for the Youth Olympics um, out in Australia. And, it, you know, this was a massive opportunity. You know, as soon as you say that Olympic word, it's like, whoa, I want to be a part of that. And if I'd have gone to that, that meant that I would have missed my January exams. And, uh, you know, that would have then meant I had to do a whole year of these exams, which were meant to be split in one go. And I remember her saying, but but you can do it. We can support you. We can provide you with things to do while you're away and and things like that. And you know, she really, you know, kind of helped me think, oh, do you know what? I can do it and allowed me to really put sport and school, you know, hand in hand and achieve what I needed to achieve in both things. So, yeah, she probably was a massive help to me. And again, that that was more luck than anything. I, I went to the local community school that was in our village. You know, it wasn't a, you know, a sports college or, you know, a private sports school or anything like that. It was it was just the local school that we had in, in our village. And um yeah, she was she was great, and maybe because of her, that's why I then went on to study a human biology degree at, um, at university. And you know, maybe that will be something that I dip back into when I retire from sport. It's impossible to do it on your own when you're younger. I mean, it's it's hard enough when you're when you're older and you can drive and and things like that. But you know, my mum would get up at you know five quarter past five in the morning to take me down to Loughborough. Sometimes she'd get a little water bottle and fall asleep in the car, wait for me to swim and then, you know, drive me home. And then she'd go off to work and work the full day. So, you know, I owe a lot of people a lot of credit, you know, my mum and, and, you know, mentor through 
through school and you know my coach Adam Elliott I've been working with him since I was 15 now and you know he's played a massive part not just within sport but you know he's he's been there through a lot of you know other things that go on outside of that you know things with family stuff and you know losing grandparents and breakups and stress from other things like you know, you, you kind of think, oh, you know, he just coaches you. And it's like, well, he does, but he, he plays a big role in a lot of other things. And yeah, I'm not saying you can't do it without people like that, but it'd be very, very difficult. I'm interested as well as a young woman coming through the ranks in sport. I spoke to, to Jenny Jones, the snowboarder, um, and we did some work with, with a couple of young sailors at British Sailing. And they were saying as, as young women, they found it perhaps a little bit more difficult than some of their, their male teammates to try and stick with sport through those those teenage years? Was it ever a difficult time for you? Did you ever think at that point, this isn't for me or I might walk away? Not particularly. I think I was very fortunate that the friends I had at school, you know, one of them was into horse riding, one of them was a really good dancer, you know, like everyone had their own thing outside of outside of school. So it was never like, expected that you'd just be this stereotypical girly girl and we'd all go out and shopping and, and stuff like that you know everyone had their oh I'm, I'm taking the horses out and I'm competing or oh, I've got a dance thing and I'm, I'm you know co- you know doing her competition and stuff like that so very fortunate that my group of friends at school was like that and through sport as well at, at a young age and 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 being in tri clubs and swim squads and athletic clubs and things like that I had a group of male friends as well which I think sometimes if you're in a very separate sport you maybe not get friendships with the opposite sex but I think having friends that are male you know men are more likely to stick with sport and you know when you're in that environment and around that you kind of not forget that you're female but you just sort of like go along with the fact that they're going to stick at it so I'm obviously going to stick at it it's something that I love to do and yeah, you'll be damned if I'm not going to do it just because I'm a female. Like, that's not going to happen. So when did the moment come when you moved from youth to senior and then elite? And how does that process work? Is it a tap on the shoulder? So, I mean, it's slightly different back to when to when we were, were younger. There was Now you have a thing called the uh, England talent. But when we were younger, it was the Olympic talent. It was a much smaller group and it was across, obviously, all the nations, the home nations. And that was one defining moment where I thought, oh my God, I'm actually quite good at this. And we'd gone and trialled for this Olympic talent squad and it was, it's made up of 16 athletes, eight, normally eight male, eight female, as I say, across Wales, Scotland and England. And we'd gone and trialled for this and Georgia Taylor Brown was on it and Gordon Benson and, and Mark Austin and Grant Sheldon, you know, it was a, a really amazing thing to be a part of. And I remember going to trial and, you know, you, you swim and you do your run and you get points and they obviously look at races and you have an interview and, I remember thinking, I don't know if I'm going to get on, like all these amazing people and, you know, there's only 16, eight female, like that's not very many people. And I was messaging Georgia and, and she messaged and said, oh, I've got my letter, I've got my letter. And I was like, oh, I've not had my letter, I've not had my letter. And that morning, me and mum literally hunted down the postman around our village thinking, I cannot go to school knowing that there is a letter that might say I am or aren't in. Like, there's no way I'm going to be able to get through today. So we hunted down the poor postman and got this letter. And yeah, it said I'd got into the the Olympic talent squad. And that was just unbelievable, like to be recognised as one of the top eight in the nation for something and that somebody sees the potential in you to, you know, help you and, and start this journey from, you know, kind of someone who does it, at, you know, at the weekends to someone who's going to start getting on planes and getting their first GB tri suit. And that journey really probably started then when you kind of, yeah, you go from that, 
I do it as, and I enjoy it, but yeah, to, wow, someone thinks I'm actually quite good here. I must have been 15 or 16 when that came because it was at the point where you switch from sort of like youth racing to starting to racing the, the junior um, European cup type races and being able to go to junior Europeans. So that was that point. And yeah, once once you knew you're on this squad, you start talking to, you know, coaches like Adam and, and Rick Valletti and, and, you know, you start getting support from nutritionists and S&C and, and stuff like that. And it starts becoming really real that, this is what it's like when you're full time. This is what it's like when you're, you know, going to Commonwealth Games and, and, and things like that and Olympics and, and stuff. So that probably was the point where you start to think, wow, this is this is like pretty big time now. Like I've got I'm on Olympic talent squad here. I've got a GB kit now. Like this is cool. So, yeah, that was probably probably the time. And do you kind of remember that first day then when you kind of walked into the into the dressing room, if you like, and thought, yeah, this is this is me, this is what I'm going to do now. I remember the first time I walked into the the pool gym um, at Loughborough Uni and there was Lucy Hall and Mark Buckingham and Adam Bowden. And I remember walking in thinking, oh my God, this is the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. And I'm, it's funny thinking back at it now because, you know, really good friends with them and, you know, been uh, travelled with them and, and, you know, been away with them on long trips and stuff. So I think it's quite funny now thinking back to that. But yeah, I remember walking in thinking, I am so scared of being in this room with these people who have, yeah, been to, you know, Lucy had been to London 2012 and, and all kind of things like that. And I was petrified. And I think it's funny now because, yeah, like there's obviously younger members that come on the squad now and they're all really quiet. And I'm like, why are you all so quiet? Like, you know, and they're like, oh, you're just a bit scary. I'm like, oh, I promise you I'm not. It's quite funny looking back on things now and, and yeah, seeing how the journey's progressed, really. I wonder what you'd like to know then that you know now? Oh, probably that just, it's never going to be straightforward. And I think when you're younger, you kind of, you know, for me, when I was growing up, you know, those, those big icons were, you know, Helen Jenkins, you know, she was the one that was, you know, the top of her game and stuff. And I think when you're a younger athlete, you always think they've, they've, they've had it perfect. They've had such this perfect journey through. And, you know, it's not until you actually, do that journey yourself and you realize that no athlete is going to have a perfect journey I'd love you to find one athlete that's uh, that's done that and I think yeah as a youngster you don't you don't train very much you bounce from race to race and your injury risks very low and and stuff like that so you you know you never yeah you never think you're going to get injured until you get your first big blow and you're like wow this is this sucks now so I think if I was a bit more prepared for stuff like that, I probably would have dealt with it a bit better and realised that the journey is not six months long. It's like, well, I've been doing triathlon since I was eight. So, we're, you know, we're, <laughs> we're quite a long way down that. We're like 18 years already. So if I'd have known, you know, that this is how long the journey is going to be and, you know, I'm nowhere near finishing, then, yeah, it's a long time to do it. Sophie Caldwell growing up in triathlon and more from Sophie to come on why she's certainly not finished yet. I've been to Commonwealth Games and, and that was an amazing thing for me. I wasn't even sure I was going to qualify. So to go to that was amazing. But I feel like in the last couple of years, I've just not quite broke through and, and made it, you know, as consistent athlete. I've not quite managed to get myself on a World Series podium yet. Is everyone as lucky as Sophie to find their passion for sport so early? 25-year-old George Peasgood and 22-year-old Ben Dykstra are training partners. George competed for Great Britain at the first ever Paralympic triathlon in Rio in 2016. 
Ben won double gold at the 2014 Youth Olympics. George, we'll start with you. When did you first read, see, hear or think about the sport of triathlon? Um, Kind of kicked off probably after Beijing. Um, So my family got involved with triathlon kind of in 2006, 2007. Um, So that's kind of when I started understanding the sport and the fact it was swim, bike and run and not just a single discipline. Um, and yeah, never I never paid much attention to it myself until about 2010, uh, where I then got involved with a junior tri-club um, and everything just kind of snowballed from there. My dad started off in 2007 um, and he started doing Ironman distance races. Um, my brother then started doing some elite super series races and a couple of age group races abroad. My mum then joined doing Ironman distance races. Both my cousins were in the, I think, in the early days of the England talent squad. And, yeah, I was kind of the only one not doing triathlon at the time. And then, yeah, my brother Jack, he'd become a guide when joining me on a training camp and then is now married to Alison Peasgood, uh, who is a visually impaired triathlete as well. No connections through the family. Um, I started off as a very energetic young child. George will probably confirm that that hasn't changed too much over the last few years, as I can see him laughing there. But um, <laughs> um, no, so I started off um, doing loads of different sports in primary school. I remember being really young and we could only really start cross-country running from when we were in year three. And there's me as a year one, year two, like, oh, I really want to get going already with this. Um, so that was at quite a young age. And then triathlon started a, a few years later. Um, I was about 10, 11 years old. I saw a magazine um, and I thought, oh, well, I love riding my bike. Um, Dad and I used to do a fair bit of cycling together. I love running. So how hard can it be to learn to swim? Um, or properly anyway. Turns out a few years later, um, down the line, we're still learning that process. But um, yeah, so it was around about, yeah, similar sort of time, 2010 or 2009, 2010 for me. And yeah, it's just been a, a great experience since then. Where does someone go then to begin a a triathlon career did you just start going out cycling and and running and swimming or did you go and join a club uh well i'd I'd previously been quite a a keen swimmer kind of before a couple of operations um just in the local swim club um also kind of because of brother and family um and then like i'd been quite yeah avid mountain biker similar to ben like used to just go out and play on the trails sort of thing as a kid um so it was quite easy just to, when there was a junior tri club, just to kind of see what the family was doing. Spend two hours on a Saturday morning training whilst, well, training, whilst dad went to, did his shop at Tesco. And yeah, it was just a bit of fun, really. I did join a club, but that was after um, my first couple of events. So I think it was in the summer of 2010 when I did my first few races. And I was a complete novice. I knew about the sport, but just the the small bits which you learn from from the experiences of racing. So in terms of when you use your lock laces on your shoes to to using a tri suit to, to having like a magnetic clip on your helmet, it's all these small bits when I was there in transition doing my shoelaces and you learn these these small really helpful bits and, and tips along along the way. But um so I did my first few races and then I joined my local Charmwood Triathlon Club. Um, and that's where, yeah, the experiences just kept on coming and it was a great experience. I think I started off in the TriStar 2 category. So in that category, I believe it's a 200 metre swim, um, a five kilometre bike and a one and a half kilometre run, I think. Um, if I remember correctly, it's a few years ago now, but um, 
Yeah, so I uh, I think I heard about this from a, another triathlete at my school. Um, so she was a well, her family were, were similar to George, very keen uh, on the sport of triathlon. And I found out about a couple of races, and this was in our East Midlands Junior Series of races. Um, so there's a number of local races which the local um, triathlon clubs hold. Um, and then, yeah, so my first one was the, the Chalmers Triathlon Club. We saw that it was fairly local um, in Loughborough, which is only about 10 minutes from where, where I live. Um, and that's where everything started. And George, do you remember your sort of first races? How did you do? Uh, terribly. <laughs> like, yeah, this is, uh, this is a point that was kind of within six, ten months of a uh, quite a serious leg lengthening operation. So I think for the 2.4K run, which was for, for my distance, I probably took about 24 minutes. Um, but yeah, it was just like a local one at the, at the um, tri-club. And I used a mountain bike to ride around the field. And I tried to get in an aero position on the mountain bike, which was interesting. Um, and yeah, then walked half of the run and kind of semi-jogged the rest. And at what point then, George, did did you feel that this was something that you wanted to do, that this was something you were going to make your career in? Was there a moment? Um, not really. Like, I kind of, I didn't really know anything about paratriathlon, especially for, I think it was a year or two. Um, and then there was the head coach at uh, the tri-club, Derek Jones, that kind of got involved or in touch or had heard of kind of paratriathlon and its possibility, of, or it would have been in the, for the Games in 2016. Um, he got in touch with the head coach at British Triathlon and, yeah, kind of got me along to a talent ID day, but I still thought pretty much nothing of it. I kind of hadn't really known much about the possibility of being an elite sportsman or doing much so was, yeah probably more 2014 when I moved up to Loughborough to kind of do well to train more full-time that anything kind of really became more of a possibility. I'd always known that as I'm fairly competitive that something along the lines of uh, of being an elite sportsman was was always the dream of mine um, I always hoped that that would be the sort of route that I would go down initially it was down uh, sort of athletics and running route but as there were more doors opening up for triathlon that's where the opportunity really came forward and I thought well this is this is the path that I'd like to to really go down so um I think up to the year of 2014 was where I was sort of still juggling one year triathlon one year focusing on athletics um fortunately the age groups worked out so that when you're in your sort of youth development stage having almost an extra year in that age band gives you a bit of an advantage versus people a year younger than you so I could almost be one year at the top of the age category for athletics in the following year it would then be triathlon um and in the year of 2014 I focused a bit more on triathlon and that was a bit of a breakthrough year so that's where um I really thought well this is this is the career that I'd like to pursue and um I was currently coached by Steve Casson at the time and uh, yeah that's where everything that well as I said a few more doors opened up and it was just a great opportunity for me to to see that that would be the route that I'd like to go down. So how do you go about getting selected Ben for the Youth Olympics at that age? How does that happen? So through my coach um, Steve at the time um, I was in the East Midlands Regional Academy so there's these sort of developmental groups which hope to lead you either onto the National Talent Squad or just to increase your your skill set effectively um in triathlon so um i got invited to go along to the national talent camp um which was just down the road at welbeck um which which was a great experience and at the end of that they had this sort of performance assessment um so we had to do a swim time trial 
and a runtime trial. Um, off the back of that, I was fortunate enough to get selected for the Youth Olympic Trials race, which would have been my first sprint distance race, my first race for Great Britain as well, and and also my first international race. So it was a, it was a big weekend for, for myself there. And um, yeah, that race went fairly well. I just sort of um, just just went with the flow race as best as I could and ended up winning the race. So that was the, the European um, qualification race for the Youth Olympics. And, and that then gained my selection, well, through that, again, my selection for the Youth Olympic Games. And Ben, you won a couple of golds then at the Youth Olympics. What was it like? We to... almost didn't win. <laughs> Thanks, George. Um, I wasn't going to mention that. The finish line and what there was, I think was a, there's a finish line on the ground and what the actual finish line was were two different places. So Ben crossed the right one first. It was just happened that Dan Hoy, one of the New Zealand athletes, was sprinting and got very close to what people thought the line was, but... Ben's still lucky one. <laughs> I think this was a, a fairly large tactical blunder on my part. I think, um, yeah, I think when you're a youth athlete, these learning experiences are, are key and can be pivotal in, in your career. And um, this was one of those where I look back on it and it's just one of those, um, yeah, uh, memories that I have that, that I just ensure that I, I won't make that same mistake again. I um, thought it'll, I'd prefer to put my sunglasses on my head and, and do it, well, start celebrating midway through a sprint finish with with Dan Hoy the the New Zealand athlete and um yeah it, it came down to it being an extremely close finish finish well photo finish and um the verdict wasn't decided until more than half an hour after the well I think closer to an hour after the race so um yeah and that, that turmoil of events there, there were a lot of emotions there and it was yeah quite nerve-wracking when you, you thought you'd cross the line first. You'd been told that you'd won, and you sort of you you go into line up for the podium presentation, and then you get called back saying, actually, the um, the race officials they're just uh, reviewing the footage to see whether the the outcome was the same. So, yeah, um, <laughs> to have the opportunity to represent Great Britain um, and to put on the red, white, and blue, it, it is a massive privilege. You, you do feel special every time you do that. Um, and it's something that, yeah, I don't really want to take for granted every time you can line up on a start line, knowing that you're representing your country is, is certainly a privilege. So um, being able to do that at a Games, whether that's a, a Youth Olympic Games or I'm sure that that whole experience and how, how it feels is even more special at, at a Senior Olympic Games um, is is tremendously special. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to be able to do that again. And um at the Youth Olympic Games, it was just a, a well, I had a, a great time, the racing, the atmosphere, meeting new people, meeting people from other sports and countries. That was fantastic. But I think that really sank in a couple of years after the Youth Olympic Games when you really then appreciate what that whole spectacle was. And, and you reflect on that and think, wow, that was that was fairly special. That was coming or, or about six and a half years ago now. And I mean, hopefully my next major games experience isn't that, that far away from 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 now but if you think that's that's a long time frame from having one experience like that to the to the following experience yeah you you really do think of that as a special time it was an experience to say the least but I've learned from it and I'd like to think that I won't do the same thing again otherwise I'm sure George would never let me hear the end of it (laughs) yeah definitely I think it's one of the things with as Ben was kind of alluding to was with the with the sport it's not it's it's three sports that something could go wrong and then you've got two transitions as well in the mix as there's five areas where something couldn't go perfectly. And I think almost in triathlon, it's, you're only ever going to get, well, some people never get one race where they get everything perfect. And that's one of the, the love-hate relationship with the sport is the, the closer you can get to getting things perfect, 
each race, like that's when you're going to be at your best. Um, but I've still never had an absolutely perfect race and I probably won't do for many a year, but it's about who can get the most done right on, on the one day, which when you get the numbers together is very hard to do and very rare as well. Ben, obviously you had that success in Nanjing with the, the Youth Olympics, but you know, you see so many young, promising sportsmen and women, but they never then actually kind of make it to the elite level or get to the next stage as perhaps they thought they might. What has been the difference with you then that you've been able to continue uh, with your sport and had the success that you're having? Well, I'd love to say that the success has continued from being a junior athlete, but in, in reality, it has been a difficult transition um, to, to make the senior to the senior ranks and, and compete at the same level of competition that I would have wanted to compete at. I think um, there's that large misconception that if you're a successful junior, that immediately translates into you having a successful senior career. And um I'm still finding that to be a fairly difficult transition. Um, I've struggled with a few injuries along the way. Race performances have been up and down. And I think it's it's all part of a big learning curve. The demands of racing at a senior level, I think, are slightly underappreciated, underappreciated if you are a, a successful junior. And you think that it's almost a golden ticket to saying, well, I've competed well at a junior level. Therefore, I will compete at the, at the front end of a World Series race, for example, in in a couple of years and in reality that's that's not the case um some people do have extremely successful transitions and they can go straight from the junior to senior ranks but um yeah it's it's a roller coaster of events to try and make that transition and and to perform successfully as the requirements and demands um for our racing are just so high um and then when you're a junior, you've also got the, the physical developmental stages and that sort of evens out when you are a senior. Um, and then the tactical aspects and, and everyone's strengths and weaknesses are sort of heightened and multiplied when you are at the senior level. Um, so, yes, it's been a challenge. Uh, I'd like to think that I've, I've got a good mindset that I'll keep on, you know, plugging away. And I'll, I I know like where, where I'd like to get to in the sport. So um, I just have got to keep on putting the work in and hopefully one day it'll be worth it. And how do you sort of combine that education and, of course, your elite sport career as well? Well, uh, yeah, George and I are taking um, significantly longer than the standard university degree um, timeline. That's mainly to accommodate our training. Um, when you are training, for, for me, 26 to 30 hours a week in a week in a block and then a recovery week looks like a 20 to 22 hour week. It's it's quite hard when you're training three hours on an easy week and four hours on on a full week, um, for four hours per day. Uh, and then to combine that with, with university as well, it, it is a challenge. So I think that's why we've both realistically said, well, to get the most out of our sport, but then also our education for, for me, I think I, I didn't want to sacrifice either. I thought, well, I'd love to be able to ensure that I get the good grades that I'd like to get, um, that I think are worthy of, of where I, where I am. Um, but then also I'd like to keep on training. Nothing gets in the way of training for me. And that's why I thought, well, it wouldn't be fair for me to be at uni to just do the minute, do the bare minimum, really. Uh, well, I can't really judge Ben on this because like Ben said, he might be taking a bit longer, but I'm taking a lot longer to do my degree. <laughs> like, I, I don't know many people that have, this is my seventh year and I'm only doing a BSc. Like most people get doctorates and masters in that time. Like, I can't really judge Ben. <laughs> I moved up here to to train, not to do a degree. It just so happened that the opportunity was there that I could 
do a degree very, very part-time alongside. And being young, I'd rather get a degree done now rather than go through sport as many years as possible and then get to the point and be like, ah, what can I do now? Like, if as long if I've got a degree behind me, that's a massive bonus. Um, but yeah, like as Ben said, like for for us, training is is the top priority. And if there was a decision of doing a session or going to a lecture, I would have to have that very honest chat with the lecturer that I might not be there because I prioritise a specific session that's hopefully going to get me to the games and get me a medal than a lecture which sometimes goes it goes down one of two ways sometimes it's a bit more positive than others george peasgood and ben dykstra as we've been hearing sophie caldwell started her successful triathlon journey early and as a teenager was selected for one of the rising talent groups but as she reveals she was far from finished if you kind of go back to uh, getting the, the letter saying you're an olympic talent squad it then very much starts going into the international competitions you know you've gone from you know, your local events to your national championships sort of things. And, and then you move on to your your junior European Cups, your junior championships. Your, you know, that's kind of where it starts rolling through. And yeah, it's quite scary when you go to your first one. There's like 60 girls all from different nations. And you're like, wow, this is like, this is quite a big event now. Um, but once you do it, you kind of get in the groove of it a bit more. And, it, you know, the first couple of you do, if you feel like it's quite daunting and you probably don't enjoy it as much as, as when you've done a couple and the experience then is much more enjoyable and you can, yeah, like I say, enjoy it more. Um, and then you just sort of like roll through that. And then I was fortunate enough to get onto the world-class program and, you know, you become, you know, solidified within British triathlon and with that becomes more support. Um, and to help that journey from now doing European cups and junior European cups to senior European cups and senior championship events. And, you know, in between that, you've obviously got under 23s, which is a great stepping stone from, from juniors to seniors, you know, the distance goes from sprint to Olympic and uh, yeah, there's a different style of racing. So yeah, there's definitely a, a really nice journey through that. And I think we're very fortunate that we're in a sport that, that has that you kind of don't go from, one minute you're a junior racing sprint to next minute you're a senior doing Olympics. I think you'd lose so many athletes in that middle ground because it is a big jump, even going from junior to under 23 or under 23 to senior. That's, that is a jump. And the fact that we have that and have the support around that just allows that, yeah, yeah, that journey through to be a lot easier to to deal with and, and hopefully prepare you better for those senior you know, major championships. I love the way you kind of just threw away the line and yeah, and then I got selected onto the world-class programme. What's it like to be told you are a world-class elite athlete? And again, how does that, that process happen? It's pretty special getting that. I think you kind of go from Olympic talent squad where they've kind of like identified you as a talent, but talent is one thing, but actually having talent and actually doing something with it and you know, I'm not saying that, you know, I've achieved everything that I want to achieve, but I've obviously achieved enough that someone said, do you know what, actually now we can go to and put her on to a world-class program. And I think at that point, you know, the support you get is is more, you know, you're now financially supported and you kind of realise that everything's just just stepping up that notch. And, and with that, yeah, steps up the expectation that you race better and, and things like that. But you know, you can either take that as two things, can't you? Take that as, wow, this is now quite daunting and I don't feel like I can deal with the stress or you take it as, okay, someone now thinks I'm, I'm more than just a talent. I'm, I should be on this world-class programme and I deserve to be here. And what's the next stage? What do, How do I step up again? And 
that's the good thing about the world-class program is, you know, it's from, you know, level A all the way down to, I think it's G. So you kind of start on when you're a youngster and then there's like ladders to it. You can try and step up these ladders and every couple of years trying to step up another one, another one, another one, and just gives you a bit of a pathway of, right, how am I getting to, you know, A, which is like Olympic medalist? How do I get up there? How do I, how do I be the top of this program? I've, I've gone quite far in, in the journey and you know, I've, I've been to Commonwealth Games and, and that was an amazing thing for me. I wasn't even sure I was going to qualify. So to go to that was amazing. But I feel like in the last couple of years, I've just not quite broke through and, and made it, you know, a consistent athlete. I've not quite managed to get myself on a World Series podium yet. So I'm not, I don't think I've, I've really had my breakthrough year in the senior ranks yet. And, you know, hopefully that will come this year, next year. And, you know, I'll manage to, to sit back and go, I've finally been able to to put that perfect race together and I've finally been able to get on that podium. Like for me, that's that's really what I'm working towards. And yeah, hopefully like that will come this year, maybe next year. And, and that's, yeah, that's what I'm working towards. You did mention earlier London 2012. What were your kind of early elite triathlon memories? Was it Olympic Games? When did you first kind of become aware of, you know, the Brownlee brothers for example the other names that you've mentioned I think if we were just talking about elite sport for me it was Kelly Holmes the eight and the 15 I remember watching both of those things and that's the first thing when people say oh I remember watching this I was here and you're like okay yeah I actually remember the eight and the 15 watching both of those races and that for me was the first first time that I was like really inspired by sport and yes it wasn't triathlon but it was this story of someone who's gone through such Oh, such a heartbreak through previous games and something and and then just that sheer emotion of of winning those two medals was was my first experience of of just what sport can do to someone and and how much you can achieve and then if I think about triathlon it, it was 2012 um we'd obviously world series was a big thing before and we were actually talking about Paula Finley not so long ago. Obviously, she's just one Daytona and my other half's very new to triathlon. And, you know, she'd won this race and he was going, who the hell is Paula Finley? And I was like, I remember Paula Finley, 2011, like unbelievable athlete, incredible. Like literally, you know, her and Helen were battling a lot of the races and, and you know, that was insane back then. And and me and Jodie, obviously now great training partners, really best friends and literally last Monday we were talking about how she would race in Kitzbühel and winning this race and how she'd struggle in Stockholm and how she podiumed uh, you know in all these different world series races but for me the first series race that I watched was was 2012 we were part of the Olympic talent squad and we got taken down to watch the men's race and that atmosphere was like something you can just never describe you know as a young athlete like watching two British athletes get on the podium like that was insane. Like that was, that was something where you go like, this is like fairy tale. This is like, wow, this is, we're now part of this program that has produced these athletes. Like I can't wait to be a part of this in, you know, four, eight, 12, 16 years time. So for an aspiring young triathlete listening to this, what would you say? Advise them to get themselves to Leeds, get themselves to experience the World Triathlon Championship Series or the World Triathlon Para Series races there. See it for themselves, be inspired. I mean... Leeds was the first race I've done where you like you literally cannot hear yourself breathe. I just cannot ex- ex- like explain like how that is like for an athlete. Yeah, I've done lots of races where there's been lots of people there and and stuff, but you know, a home event like Leeds when there's 
just that much enthusiasm for a sport that I love was was incredible and I, I really hope that we can get, obviously like last year miss all of that and I really hope we can get back to having something like that because you know selfishly as an athlete like I obviously miss racing but like seeing how much people enjoyed it like that's what sport is like sport isn't just you know the the top people racing sport is everyone enjoying sport like grassroots kids competing and participating all the way up to people coming to watch and enjoying enjoying the races so yeah I, I really hope we can get back to that and we all talk about training we talk about performance and we think that this is everything 100% of your life but how important is it sometimes just to switch off and paint the nails and look after the dogs and all these other things that you put on your social media profiles that you enjoy doing so much yeah I think everyone's different and I'm not saying like that everyone should have crazy things that they do outside of of elite sport but for me I love to have things that that aren't triathlon that is something completely different that you know, whether training's going well or not so well or, you know, weather's miserable or not so miserable or, or whatever. It's just something that you can go, right, I can just shut the door on that for a bit and, and enjoy something else. So, yeah, qualified nail technician, dog fosterer, chicken rescuer. Like, I like to throw a few things out there. And, and yeah, I, for me, it's, it's just great mentally to to be able to switch off. And I think, you know, when I was younger and studying, like, study was that thing that, yeah, okay, you kind of have to do it at some points, but it was that thing that was slightly different to to training and racing. It was that that change of, of you know, what, what am I doing now? Okay, I'm switching off from that. I'm doing this, or now I'm going out for a run. And yeah, when I stopped studying, there was kind of a bit of a bit of a point where I was thinking, oh, I don't, I don't have that other thing. I need that other thing. You know, I'm fortunate. I've got an amazing group of friends through sport. I met my fiance through sport. Sport is an amazing thing, and like I say, whether it's triathlon or whatever it might be, find that thing you enjoy and, and, and stick at it. Sophie Caldwell, George Peasgood, and Ben Dykstra giving real insight into how tough but fulfilling sport, and particularly triathlon, can be as a young person, and what's required to continue that journey into senior and elite level. To find out more about this thrilling sport, where your nearest local club is, and the full lowdown on Great Britain's elite athletes, check out the British Triathlon website, britishtriathlon.org. And join us next time for more Triathlon Talk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.